Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Post Loons. Uh, I'm Jacob Schneider, your host tonight. I'm, I'm joined by my colleague, uh, Mr. Carter Hoffer. Carter's first time joining us on Post Loons tonight. Carter, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Be better if I'd watched a different soccer game. <laughs> I think we all would be. I mean, I uh, I was tuning in MLS 360 before kickoff, and uh, I was really liking what I was seeing from Columbus Crew. Uh, Christian Ramirez bagged a goal for them tonight, former Minnesota United player, of course. Um, we always love to see uh, Christian flourishing wherever he is, and you know he's someone who's always been slept on. So it's uh, it's always great to see him flying wherever he is because always been a top striker. Yeah, if only we had a striker like that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, it's it's kind of ironic because Kai Kamara scores twice against you, former Loon striker. Christian Ramirez, another former loon, scores an MLS on the night. And, you know, your strikers have a shocking performance. Well, your, your entire team has a shocking performance. You can't mm-hmm. pin it on one position, one player tonight. It was an all-around just very poor contest. But, uh, folks, we're coming to you from Soda Soccer, and it is Chicago Fire 2, Minnesota United 1. Uh, and it's the loon's first loss of the season uh, through, week se- through seven weeks. Um, you know, it's, it's tough because it was there for the taking. The Fire aren't an elite team in Major League Soccer. That's that's not saying they didn't deserve three points tonight. That's not saying they're a bad team, but they are not among MLS's elite at the moment. And I think it'd be fair to say through week six, uh, people considered Minnesota towards, you know, that top category. So it's it's a tough loss for them. Carter, give me your initial thoughts, you know, just on the performance, on what, what you saw out there, and, you know, whether or not you think uh, it's three points lost, one point lost, or just, just a tough showing. It's just a tough showing, and it easily could have been much more than two for the Fire. They had their chances that they left they, they left wanting, and I think we're a little lucky to get away with a 2-1 loss there on the night. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Kai Kamara easily could have had three or four, but mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to give I'm going to give him some grace. 38 years old, uh, he scored his 142nd MLS career goal tonight. Uh, he only trails U.S. men's national team legend Landon Donovan. And MLS legend Chris Wondolowski still. Um, he's in third all time, and he is still killing it at 38 years old. Um, Plaudits to him. Plaudits. Across the board, I'm just, you know, I, I'm amazed by Kai Kamara every season. So, you know, we'll see what uh, he does in Chicago this year. But uh, for Minnesota, it's a tough loss, like you said. Um, there's a lot of room for growth. We're going to touch on that soon. But while you are in here, before we get going – Please like, subscribe, and share the stream as you are watching it. If you are on Twitter, retweet, like, quote, tweet, share it with your friends, put it in your group chats. If you are on YouTube, paste the YouTube in your Discord that you're chatting with with your friends, post game, or wherever you may be. Facebook, share it, like, comment. You know, we're going to be here for the next 30, 40 minutes or so. And, uh, you know, we hope to have you with us. So thanks again. And, uh, you know, I think uh, from there, we're just going to get going. We're going to touch on our three things here. My first main takeaway from today's game is, um, giveaways. They were just constant. It was it was watching a team who didn't know how to possess a ball. You know, despite ending with 48% possession on the day, that doesn't reflect the fact that they didn't string passes together. It doesn't reflect the fact that Minnesota looked like a team who just they looked like that you put 11 players on the pitch that didn't know each other out there. And I think that was the biggest problem during the first 45. It's what Adrian Heath said post-game. It's what Will Trapp said post-game. It was an abysmal first 45. Carter, uh, talk to me about your thoughts on the first 45, you know, the passing, the possession, everything about it that just didn't read Minnesota United. 
I mean, I really don't think that you could come out any slower or any worse than that first 45 that we saw. I was very optimistic after the first three minutes, and then it just absolutely fell apart. Like you were saying, we couldn't do anything in the midfield. It really looked like um, we just didn't know where we wanted the ball to go or what we wanted to do with it. And the Chicago Fire did, and what they wanted was the ball. And we were more than happy to give it to them at most points of that first half. Uh, so we have a comment from our viewer on YouTube, Eric Grady. Eric, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, Chicago looked much physically stronger than us, especially in the first. The ref allowed a lot of contact, and that did not play to our advantage. Um, I think I agree with that. But what I will say is that, you know, physical contact in, in soccer, it just it's aggression is all it is. There weren't that many fouls. There weren't many, you know, reckless challenges. He looked at and said, yeah, that's a missed call. Um, where's the yellow, you know, why, why didn't VAR look for a red? There wasn't really any of that today. It was just a tough physical contest and Minnesota didn't look up to, up to it. Um, like you say, Eric, Chicago was much physically stronger. And I think it showed just based on the fact that in the first, um, opening 40 minutes of the game, they slot two goals past you. The first one, uh, it's a bit unlucky because it goes through some legs, not much you can do about it. But then when Michael Boxel gets beat, running by Kai Kamar, who we, 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 we just mentioned. Kai is 38 years old. He doesn't run fast. He isn't, you know, the young striker he once was. He got beat in the box to a, a ball in the air. It just It's a bad goal to concede. Um, they, they just weren't up for it physically, and they lacked aggression. They lacked passion. They didn't fight for the badge, and I think that's something, you know, a lot of people could look at and reflect on and agree with. Um, Carter, uh, your first thing that you wanted to talk about today was how slow Minnesota United was to everything. You know, let, let, let expand on your thoughts there. Well, what I mostly saw was a team that, like you said, it lacked aggression. They didn't want to go out and do the things that you need to do on a soccer pitch to go and win a game. Our press, we had these opportunities. I could see them beginning to form, but everything was just a step too late. We weren't able to win those balls. And when we did win those balls, we just didn't want to get forward in transition. And I mean, it makes you wonder, like, if we're not playing with possession, you need to be looking for those transition moments. That's kind of where you have to be going if you don't want to be playing with the ball. You have to be ready to play it forward. You have to be ready to just turn on a dime and do something in the attack. But oftentimes we were just stuck. We would win the ball and we'd recycle it and the chance would be over and Chicago would be back. Uh, so something Will Trapp touched on post game was that they were second to everything, no matter what it was, winning the ball in the air, um, uh, a loose ball in the middle of the park. It doesn't matter. They were second to everything. And it took a stern talking to at halftime by Adrian Heath to the entire squad to get their heads on straight. Um, and I think we saw it in that second half, but even then out of the gate in the second half, it was 10 minutes of slow. I think Chicago in the opening 90 seconds after the, uh, uh, the second half began, Chicago had the ball in the loons box in a threatening area. And it just, I was like, here we go again. It's, that was my initial thought. And it didn't feel like anything changed. Eventually it did, but too slow. It's not enough speed, not enough um, adjustment to what Chicago was doing and what they brought. So um, before we jump uh, onto another topic here, I just want to mention to our viewers, if you are watching on Twitter, unfortunately, you will not be able to paste a comment in the comment section of the live stream here. Um, we cannot see them on StreamYard. However, if you are watching on YouTube or on Facebook, we will see your comments. So please send them in. 
if you want to send a comment or a question our way and you are watching on Twitter, uh, feel free to tweet at one of us. Our uh, Twitter handles are beneath our names here on the screen or uh, tweet under the stream at SodaSock uh, on Twitter and uh, we'll, we'll get to your comment. We'll talk to you uh, over the next you know half hour or so. So uh, big thanks to Eric for starting that conversation a little bit ago. And you know if you have comments or questions throughout the night, please feel free to send them our way and we'll do our best to, uh, to answer them. Um, so I think, Carter, one of the biggest positives from tonight that I came up with was that we saw Sangin's uh, Minnesota United debut. And there were a lot of positives. I mean, you can't you can't really say good or bad for a player who comes on. He's 20 years old and plays 30 minutes. And he looks like a kid out there. He's energetic, has a good touch on the ball, look, had passion, and wanted to make an impact. I don't think there's anything else you can ask more of somebody in that situation is the desire to do better than the person you came on for. Because that's the whole point of being a substitute in soccer is you want to prove why you should not be the substitute the next game. You want to prove to your manager, to your teammates, why you should be out there for longer than the cameo you had off the bench. And I think it was a great start for him. Um, the biggest highlight I have, though, is his set-piece delivery. It was lovely. Um, whether it was off a corner kick, whether it was you know down in the corner, um, he, he just had great delivery into the box. And I think you know with a player like Luis Amaria at the moment um, – Getting him service, constant service, getting him, you know, a ball in the box, it's, it's a positive, and I think um, I think it's something they can build on. What do you think of his uh, debut here, Carter? I loved everything that I saw from him. I mean, when, like you said, when you come on and you bring that energy, that's what you want from a substitute, absolutely. And it just it helped the Loons grow into the game somehow in the 63rd, 64th minute. It gave them an opportunity and actually something to play for when he was on there because he wanted to do something. You could see him making these runs that Amaria wasn't making. And obviously, he didn't really get anything over the top, but you could tell that he wanted it over the top. He wanted to try and open up this back line for the Loons to be able to play something and just give them a little bit more space. So I like that instinct. Like you said on the set pieces, it was amazing to watch. I love that. And I know, I think it was Jeremy mentioned it a week or two ago that the Loons are maybe one of the deepest set piece takers in the league. And apparently, we're just growing deeper. Yeah, I know it's it's. I mean, Joseph Rosales can also hit him, so I mm-hmm. think uh, I think we look at that, and you know, and, and we're strictly talking delivery here, folks. We're not talking about you know direct free kicks on net, uh, particularly by a like six foot two Honduran midfielder uh, who sometimes has teal or blue hair um, that just drills balls so hard into the gloves of a keeper that they fumble it under their own net. We're not talking about that right now. We're si- simply talking about. Uh, uh, set-based delivery into the box. We'll touch on uh, something similar to that a little bit later. But, uh, Carter, I have a I have a question de- slash comment from WanderingKiwi76 on Twitter um, for our stream tonight, and it was talking about the Bongo Kule Hlongwane connection with Luis Amaria. Is it working, you know, what's missing between the two of them, and is one or the other better as an impact sub coming off the bench? And if so, who is replaced in that spot? Wow, that's a tough question. I think in terms of what they each bring, I personally would like to see Bongi off the bench just because that injection of pace late in the game when a defender is tired, when a midfield's tired, that's really going to help the team a lot. Uh, it's going to open up a lot of things, and he's going to have his chances at that point. And you could see him still making those runs in like the 80th and 90th minute, but can you, if you can imagine him fresh in those moments, you'd probably see a lot more. Um, which isn't to say that I prefer Amaria over 
Longwane right now, but we'll get to that also in a second here. So what about where does Men, where does Mender Garcia lie in that in that spot? Is he you know your preferred starting striker, or is he again you know a better impact player off the bench right now? due to, you know, let's say Luis Amaria's veteran leadership on the pitch, his experience with the club, and the fact that he, you know, he did score last game and he drew the penalty that he did score. So, you know, there's there's, there's form too. Amaria definitely has his stuff that he's good at, at when he's on it. Uh, it hasn't been recently, but I don't see a reason for Garcia to be playing over Amaria. So I do still see him as that impact sub. Um, I think if he gets a good run of form in his substitute appearances, I think it's absolutely a chance that he can take over for Amaria. Um, but neither of the players is really showing why they should be the starter for the team right now. We don't really have somebody that's going out on the pitch and saying, I should be the starting number nine. Why is this even a conversation? I think that that conversation has been open all year. I think it was open for a lot of last year as well. And I really like what Amaria does. I have been a firm believer of Amaria his entire tenure with the club. When I go to a game, I love watching him. I love watching what he does, but he's an incredibly inconsistent striker, which is unfortunate because when he's on it and you could see it in the game, I believe he played a flipped on header to, I think it was Franco Fregapane and just moments like that. You can tell that he knows what he's doing and he's a very, very good striker, but he's never able to string it along throughout an entire game or for multiple games. So maybe that inserts, you know, the question of the four four two. Is he better with a secondary striker playing off of him? Um, and is that where saying Ben's role comes in? So I think I think there's there's some positives to take away here from Minnesota because it's all not it's not all doom and gloom. Take away that first forty five where genuinely everyone was abysmal, and I'm going to include you know all of the field players. Dane St. Clair probably could have you know had better positioning on that second goal. He was caught a little bit flat footed. So I mean. It wasn't, you know, a great performance from anybody in that first 45. And fact of the matter is, is that, you know, if you take that away from the game today, um, I think, uh, I think, you know, there's positives in that second half. And uh, Eric, you know, it, yeah, that Eric just mentioned the header, the flick on to Fragapane was great. Uh, yeah, it was a great header. It was a great flick on. And I think, uh, I think Luis in those moments shows why he has earned that starting spot because his footballing intelligence is off the charts. He's brilliant on the field. You know, he's got good awareness and everything. He just, you know, might not have the talent that someone like Dennis Buanga, who scored a hat trick for LAFC tonight has, he might not have that footballing capability in terms of skill, but in terms of mind and, and, and the way he plays the game, that's why he's out there because he's got a supporting cast around him that can do those things that he can't. And it's just up to everybody else, you know, to, um, also beyond that standard. And, you know, if they meet that standard, I think, I think, you know, there's, there's definitely some excitement to be, to be had. Um, so, uh, your second point here, uh, Carter was that, uh, Luis Amaria did struggle a little bit, but there were positives to take away. And we just touched on it a little bit, but your one thing you did mention was who starts next week against Orlando city. Uh, it's, you know, it's sort of a reunion slash homecoming for Adrian Heath his former club before he joined Minnesota United. Um, and there's three players to choose from if you roll out in a 4-2-3-1 at the nine. Or if you roll out in a 4-4-2, you have two strikers to start, but you have three to choose from. Who are you picking, which formation, and why? I would really like to see Heath roll out that 4-4-2, and I'd like to see him do it with Amari and Sangbin. I think that that might be the player 
that Amaria needs next to him, a young player who's motivated, who has that energy that he can bring to the game, and that really just enjoys doing those things, like making those runs and just trying to force his way past a back four line and just make his way through. Because that's the kind of thing that Amaria would be looking for. And Amaria can play off that. He's intelligent enough to see uh, where that space is going to be. If Sangbin plays himself through, if he makes those runs, he's going to open up some space for Amaria. And I would expect Amaria to find that. And at that point, we can hope that somebody in that those back eight players is going to be able to see that and play him through. Yeah, no, I, I think I can agree with you. And I think uh, if you do roll out in the 4-4-2, uh, I'm going to be a little more ambitious. And I'm going to say I want Robin Lud as the right mid with Will Trapp and Curve and Ariaga Central. And I'd rather see Longwane off the bench, I think, in, in that situation. Um, Orlando City just got back Luis Campana. Or no, that was Inter Miami just got Luis Campana back tonight. And I saw in their game that when they played with two strikers tonight, two starting strikers, they looked more threatening despite the result than I've seen them in a long time. And I kind of related that to how Minnesota is not really had two more than two strikers to choose from in a pool. They've got three now, and I think there's a chance to to rotate a little bit. And I think Orlando City is a very talented team. Uh, Pedro Gaese is probably the second best goalkeeper in the league, maybe the first on his, on his best day. Um, and I think, you know, there, there, there's, uh, definitely some roadblocks ahead of them. Um, but if you are able to, you know, rotate, if you're able to test the strength of, you know, your, your squad, I think there's, there's some fun times ahead for the squad. Um, you know, it's, it's exciting to look at. And I think, you know, uh, coming back to Allianz field, searching for that first home win and searching, you know, for a little bit of, you know, quote unquote vengeance for Adrian Heath against his former club. It's always a pleasure to beat your former club player or manager. I think, you know, there's a lot on the table for both sides. Um, but uh, my third, po- my third point I wanted to touch on here was what does the first loss of the season mean? And does it really mean anything long-term? I think uh, that's a question. If you're in the chat here and you want to touch on this too, feel free to send a question in, uh, tag us on Twitter, uh, post in the Facebook comment section, the YouTube comment section, what does Minnesota United's first loss on the season actually mean? And, you know, is it really that impactful to drop a point on the road after starting, you know, undefeated through five games with a bye week included? It's, you know, it's a good question. Carter, what do you think? I don't think it's the end of the world. I mean, it's a long season. We're only seven weeks in and we have 11 points. I, any Loons fan would have been happy with that, with all the news that came around in the before the season started, everything with Reynoso, I, you you are happy with 11 points through six games. Agreed. I think uh, I think if you watched Minnesota United in preseason, where through five games they uh, earned one point across five games in preseason, um, I think I think uh, you'd be content with 11 points through week seven of the MLS season. But I, I do think you know it's worrying to see that poor of a first half performance. Um, so, you know, that's definitely something to watch, definitely something to be worried about and something to think about. But, uh, I think, you know, does overachieving through the first six weeks compensate for the loss here? I don't think it necessarily compensates so much as it does make it easier to get past it because, uh, like Eric Grady says here in our YouTube comments, it does really suck that we were outclassed by Chicago fire for a solid 70 minutes, but that's going to give the team motivation when they go back to training this week. It's going to give them motivation coming back into that home game where they want to get that home win, and especially against Orlando. 
And hopefully it's not something that we're going to see again this season. So maybe this is just a little dose of medicine that we needed a little early on so that we wouldn't have to deal with it again. I think so, a way to look at this too is it's it's good prep for the League's Cup when Minnesota United has to uh, host um, Puebla and Chicago Fire in the League's Cup. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's a gr- great test against a talented team. And Chicago, you know, they beat Minnesota without debatably their most talented player. Maybe not their best, but definitely their most talented player in Zerdan Shakiri. Uh, and that's not to mention Casper Shabelko came off the bench. You know, a veteran striker in the league, former Philadelphia Union player, always dangerous. Kai Kamara is not going to be able to keep this up week after week this entire season. I, I promise you, if you are watching this, like, I, 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 I would put, you know, money on it if they were on the table. Kai Kamara will not play 90 minutes or close to 90 minutes every game this MLS season. His 38-year body cannot hold up. But that doesn't mean Chicago doesn't have the depth pieces to counteract that. And they do with a player like Shabelko, with a player like Shakiri, who will come back from injury and will change that starting lineup. I thought Chris Mueller was fantastic tonight for Chicago, by the way, um, despite, you know, uh, Kai Kamara having the two goals. I thought the Fire's best player on the pitch was Chris Mueller. He absolutely lit up the wing and caused so many issues for Minnesota in that first half. Uh, I just, you know, phenomenal player and, you know, another former uh, Orlando City player that we mentioned. Yeah, so uh, jumping uh, jump to your third thing here now, Carter. Uh, the four-two-three-one. Is it viable without a player like Rian Reynoso? Is it viable with Robin Lud at the 10? Is it viable to throw a second striker like Sangbin or like Mender Garcia beneath Luis Amaria, or should they play neck and neck? What's the formation situation with Minnesota United right now? I think that what we should be running with is the 4-4-2. I think if Heath really wants to stick with that 4-2-3-1, he does have options. It's possible that today's game was just Lude not being his best self and coming working back from that illness he picked up over the international break and working his way back into the squad and getting used to playing with everyone again, it's entirely possible that that's what happened here. And Lude can absolutely play that 10 because we've seen him play every other role on this team. And I believe we've seen him play this 10 before to success. Um, if you want to give Song Bin a chance at that 10 spot, I wouldn't say no to that. If you want to play Garcia in that 10 spot, I'd say we should see it, but I don't think that this is something that we should be playing with all season. I think that unless it's something that Minnesota United can figure out now and figure out how to work it consistently, it's something that we should leave behind. Because I don't think that today's game was a good look with that 4-2-3-1. Especially when we changed in the second half to that 4-4-2, we played better. Obviously, getting outclassed in that first half, it gives you a little more motivation. The Chicago Fire were maybe playing a little less on us, allowing us a little bit more grace in the second half, but we still looked better when we were in that 4-4-2 and when we just had those opportunities. I think it's hard to overcome a loss like Emmanuel Reynoso. Uh, so here's a fun little question for you. Um, last week against St. Louis City, DJ Taylor, you know, he's 5'6", absolutely bodied six foot four. Joao Klaus all game. Um, made no sense. It, it just was an absolutely baffling matchup, yet – uh, DJ completely, you know, kept him in his pocket, you know, despite the nearly foot tall difference between the two players. Um, tonight, DJ's impact wasn't, you know, as immense for Minnesota United. And through the first two games of the season, we saw Zarek Valenzin coming and, you know, play fairly, fairly good. He had some valiant uh, efforts in the box, um, some nice deliveries or in and around it, good defensive maneuvers. 
Um, you know, going into a match against Orlando City following a performance from Taylor tonight, is he still your number one? Or, you know, is just should Valentin maybe, you know, get a look uh, at Allianz Field next weekend? I think you still ride out DJ Taylor against Orlando. I think you at least let him start if you see some problems. I think you could make a, make a case for Valentin getting getting some minutes there. And it wouldn't surprise me if he started. I know both are very talented right backs. And it also wouldn't surprise me if they just shared the role for the entire season. Um, but like you said, DJ Taylor, when he's on his game, is a very talented right back. And I would like to see him keep going for it. Um, he's also, if we keep running at oh, Bongi on the right side, if we do a 4-4-2, if we do the 4-2-3-1, they have something going there. It doesn't happen all the time. But when it does, it's very nice to see him finding Bongi with those through balls. It makes me very happy. Sorry about that. I had to plug in my computer. My charger just randomly unplugged from the wall like a, you know, the ghost of uh, Ibsen pulled it out of the wall or something. <laughs> Can we, we could use a player like that tonight. Goodness. What a player he was. Yeah, but uh, Jeremy in the YouTube comment section uh, said the scouting report against Minnesota has to be just press 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 and I, I couldn't say uh i couldn't say i agree more um if they had to play the new york red bulls again next week i have a feeling it would not go well uh <laughs> they are pressing uh Matt, madhouse but uh uh it's it's tough uh eric added the xg this year and big chances are also worrisome they're outperforming the xg significantly uh we call that st louis citying by the way uh they uh <laughs> going into week 6 of the mls season when they you know Received their first loss of the season against the Loons. Uh, they were more than doubling their XG. That's insane. Like, who who more than doubles their XG? Um, so from now on on the podcast, we're going to call that St. Louis Citying. Uh, maybe we'll file a trademark for it. We'll find out. But uh, <laughs> the stats from the game weren't quite as lopsided as it felt. Um, Eric adds, you know, 0.67 from the fire to 0.52 from Minnesota in terms of XG, and I, I think that's accurate. I think. Uh, I think when you look at the post stats too, Minnesota had seven shots on target versus um, uh, Chicago's two. I mean, if I told you that, would you would you think, yeah, that that seems about right? Probably not, Carter. No, it was it was weird. I went and checked out the stats at halftime, and I checked at full time, and it's just so hard to believe that Dane St. Clair didn't have to make a single save in this game. Obviously, the two goals got by him, but he didn't make anything outside of that <laughs> Chicago didn't put anything on despite their near limitless chances in the first half and the beginning of the second half um and I was also surprised to see that of our I think it was 0.13 expected goals in the first half 0.11 of it was Robin Woods flicked on during that set piece there oh ridiculous! So apparently that should have just gone in if only one in ten times, basically, is what they're saying, and I'm going to hard disagree with that. But shout out to the you team and me who, uh, uh, shout out to the team, whoever came came up with that XG there. Uh, Matt Hansen in the chat uh, via YouTube. Matt, thanks for joining us. And he asks, "Is Christian Ramirez available?" Matt, let me tell you, um, simply because of the fact that Kucha Hernandez has been, you know, injured so far for Columbus Crew, and Christian has come in and played the role brilliantly. Um, no, he is not available. And if he was, you would have to overpay to get him probably 500, 500 mixed between Tam Gam, maybe a little bit more when in reality, they probably got him from 
Scotland for a quarter of that because MLS is dumb with their rules and people don't know how to value players appropriately. Um, and I'm significantly like I, I, I speak on Christian a lot on this. It is wild to me how a player of his caliber and his consistency in, in major league soccer as a whole is continually like seeing him, you know, just not valued in that sense. Um, we'd love to see him back of course, but uh, I think if you're Minnesota United and you need to bring in a striker, you don't bring in a 500 K striker either. I think at this point you bring in a DP level striker, you buy down Luis Amaria's contract and you play it out from there. Whether that means Luis um, has trade value because of him not being a DP. Maybe you explore it, whether it means you pay 9 million for the next Dennis Buanga. I, I don't know what they can afford. I don't know what, you know, what they're looking at right now, but what I, what I can tell you is that, you know, they are exploring for another signing still. And it's rumored that that signing is, you know, if it comes available, it's going to be a player of that caliber. And, you know, if it comes to it, you would see Luis's contract bought down. And um, from there on out, you know, you'd explore what your options are. And, you know, like we mentioned earlier, we're fans of Luis Amaria here. There's just some inconsistency in his game that plagues the squad. You know, not much you can do about that. Carter, if you were to sign a new DP for Minnesota United, would it be at the nine or would you focus somewhere else? I don't think we have any other holes really that we need to focus in. With Tapias coming in, I think we've shored up our defense incredibly. I thought Tapias played very well in the first half, despite how the rest of the team played. He was consistently stopping those crosses into the six-yard box. He was really keeping us in the game up until those two chances went in. I don't think we need to show up the midfield at all. I think Ariaga's great. I think Dotson's great. I think Trapp's great. I think Rosales is great. I don't think we need anything there. I don't know if I trust Minnesota United to go and buy another DP striker. I don't want it to be a rushed thing. I want us to take what time and really go and find someone. I could be I could be convinced that we could get something just something to challenge Franco Fregapane. I think it would raise his game. I think there is a level beyond where he's at right now. I think he has something in him, and I think bringing someone in might help might just motivate him to get there. And if it doesn't, maybe we get a little bit better on the left wing. And having those runners off of Amaria might also help him. Who knows? What you know, do you think? Adrian, Adrian's connections to Everton, maybe we can get Dominic Calvert-Lewin on the cheap this summer. You know, tough season for him. You know, maybe he needs a new change of scenery. Well, hey, if they go down, it's going to be a sale. <laughs> uh, our uh, good friend Jeremy Rushing uh, soda soccer uh, uh, founder uh, is an Everton fan. And I know he's in the chat right now. Uh, Jeremy, I hate to break it to you, but uh, it is looking like Everton could be doom and gloom this season. Uh, but, uh, you know, I can't say much uh, for myself or for Carter. Uh, we are, <laughs> we are Chelsea fans and we are in the mud. So uh, we don't need to talk about that. You know, maybe we can just, uh, skip over the fact that if there is doom and gloom in the English Premier League, it is uh, it is Chelsea FC at the moment. Tough game today. Tough result. Uh, don't really want to talk about it anymore. Uh, Carter, so what, what's next on our schedule? Uh, we yeah, have Orlando. Uh, yeah. yeah, we got Orlando. Uh, oh, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about how, how, how do I avoid talking about Chelsea more? Because I want to stop thinking about him. It's, it's awful. It's oh, no. You double down on the Real Madrid matchup. Easily. Jeremy, I would take Frank Lampard over Sean Dyke any day of the week simply because <laughs> Sean Dyke would 
scare me and I probably would run away. Like, like he terrifies me just in press conferences. He, the way he talks to people, the way he acts, it was, it's like he would pick, it's like if you saw him and he were a family member, you walk in the door and he picks you up and squeezes you so hard until you squeal. And he finds it funny and laughs and walks away. That's the kind of person he is. He terrifies me. Carter, you know, uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, uh, Sean Dyke versus Frank Lampard. Who would you who would you choose? God, can I just can I just manage the team myself? <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. I've got an idea or two up here. You know, we, I, whenever I'm hosting Post Loons here, whenever I am a, a feature on our 10K Pitches podcast, you'll always see Chelsea FC brought up by me. Uh, die Hard, uh, ride till I die, but it has been a tough season. And I know Carter is also a Chelsea fan. I'm not sure if he's also ride or die uh, because that is a tough look at the moment. But uh, we'll, we'll persevere and we'll, we'll get through it. But I think we got to focus back on Minnesota United here because um, – uh, uh, they beat Everton 4-0 last summer, and you know they haven't had the chance to play Chelsea yet. So we'll focus on the team that we know uh, can beat Everton, right? Oh, yeah. you better be careful. Jeremy's going to shut this thing down. <laughs> All right, folks. But uh, before we get into the next section, we have to thank one of our sponsors uh, tonight, Better Edge, for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, thank you for, to Better Edge. If you ever wished there would be a website that you could use to make bets with your friends, the days of using cash or Venmo for one-to-one bets are over, my friends. Better Edge, a Minneapolis-based company, has revolutionized the social sports betting scene, allowing their users to bet with or against each other on NBA, NHL, MLB, and soccer competitions like the Premier League, Champions League, and of course, Major League Soccer. They also offer weekly pick'em competitions as well, like our very own MLS Pick'em, where you can bet real money or Edge Coin, which is play money, and make your picks for the weekend's game. Better Edge, B E T T O R E D G E, is not a sports book that profits off of your loss. You don't bet against Better Edge, you bet against other users on the platform, which is why it's legal to use in Minnesota and 46 other states nationwide. Sign up today and create uh, and get a free $20 in your account when you visit betteredge.com slash loons. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-E-D-G-E dot com slash loons and create your account. Again, betteredge.com slash loons to sign up and get $20 free in your account today, courtesy of our friends at Better Edge. Thank you again for sponsoring uh, today's Post Loons. So, Carter, one thing we've been talking about, too, is what Minnesota United has lying ahead of them. Um, and it's it's been a bright start. They've got Orlando City, but you know on the horizon too. There's the Seattle Sounders, and then there's the U.S. Open Cup. How do you balance you know uh, a home game against you know it, it, let's call it a must win following a bounce back from here, then a tough road trip to Seattle. It's never easy to play Seattle, and then you know you've got the Open Cup looming after that. How do you balance everything? I think you really have to prioritize what you're looking for here. I think what the most important thing is, is that we're going to need to get some sort of run going. And I think you need to realize where you're going to get those things. I think you play for the win absolutely at Allianz Field. I think you want to get the fans in. You want to get that home win out of the way. You want to beat your former team. You want to get something started here. So you, you kind of have to go all in here. You really need to just put your eggs in there and just go for it. Um, I think the trip to Seattle is hard. Like you said, it's a tough place to play. It's got a great atmosphere. If you play for a tie, if you get a tie there, I think you're happy. You get that draw, you get that point. That's what you want. And then 
I will always advocate for the Loons putting more into the Open Cup. It's the closest we've gotten to a trophy in 2019 during our run where we lost to Atlanta. It's a fun competition. If we're being honest, I love the FA Cup. I love the League's Cup. I love the Open Cup. I love these single and nation tournaments. It's a great platform for the lower leagues. It's a great platform for us. And I want to see us do something with it this year. Going out to Union Omaha last year was not good. It's a bad look, and it's not something that you want to repeat. So you really have to – I think that's another game that the Loons really have to go for a win in. Even with whatever is coming up after that, I think that the Open Cup needs to be a little bit more important this year. So I I, I don't have, you know, the exact answer to this pulled up on here because it just popped in my head. But Lumen Field in Seattle, that is turf, right? It's it's not uh, it's not grass at the at Lumen Field where the Sounders play and the Seattle Seahawks play? Yeah, so I, I, I believe it is turf, but uh, if I'm wrong, forgive me here, folks. But if, you know, I'm Minnesota United, I've got to play on a grass pitch this weekend, okay? You're likely going to get your first outdoor practices this week. Shout out to Mother Nature for that one. Uh, for those of you that didn't know, Minnesota United has played seven weeks of their Major League Soccer season uh, inside a brick wall with faked grass. They they have not had an outdoor um training session yet due to the inclement weather due to the due to the snow due to the rain due to the the thunder lightning snow hail sleet snow combinations we had all in one night last weekend that was terrifying uh, i don't know where that came from that wasn't cool mother nature but the fact that matters they're going to get their first outdoor practices on actual grass this week and it's going to be huge for them you know being able to play on that ahead of allianz field but then you have to go play on turf okay at the sounders in we all know how some players don't like to play on turf. And we know how Minnesota United also struggled in the Open Cup last year. And you don't want to take a team like Detroit City lightly. Maybe, you know, Sang Bin plays, plays 90 this weekend and he comes off the bench against the Sounders. And then, you know, he gets the 90 again against Detroit City. You know, maybe Mender or Luis or someone, um, they, they strategize it that way because you have to play the Sounders on a Saturday. And then the turnaround is so quick. You are in Detroit Tuesday evening. It's it's going to be a you know the next three matches are going to be a very tough stretch for them, and they have to balance the squad really well. How would you go about that? Well, I actually, I have a question for you first. Is this you putting Sang Bin into the Loon starting lineup consistently here, putting him there for the next two out of the three games? I think I would put him at home. I'd give him his home debut from the start. I don't think uh, you give him a home day. I don't think you play him 90 uh, at uh, Seattle. And it, it, he's going to need to play 90 or at least close to it, give him 60 before he starts in the Open Cup because Luis isn't probably going gonna, isn't gonna to start in the Open Cup. I would probably see Mender and uh, Singh Ben up top just because, you know, there is rotation. No matter what a mm-hmm. coach will say, they're going to take it seriously you're going to rotate in the open cup and it gives him the perfect opportunity to go full 90 for the first time. So maybe it's, you know, 60, 30, 90 over that stretch. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think that's how I would do it because I wouldn't give him his first start on turf, especially after, you know, coming from uh, Europe where you can't play on turf because they're smart and they make it illegal. So um, I I think that's what I would do. Uh, Eric in the comment section, comment section, 10 year lease extension between Sounders FC first and goal announced in 2015, man, it's new turf every four years or sooner. The first such new installation was 2016. 
2024. So the turf is three years old. I just I don't I don't like the idea of putting a young player on turf for his first extended period of minutes. That's 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 just me. I think. No, and I mean it makes sense, especially without his experience on turf. It's God, it's more rough on your knees than you think it is. I'd never played uh, on turf until I came up here, but my first time on grass up here after playing on turf for like a year, it was very nice. I uh, I uh, I went down in men's league last summer on turf on a non-contact injury. Um, I went up for a header. I won the ball, uh, and I landed non-contact on my ankle, and I completely destroyed it. And you know, I just remember Slatan Ibrahimovic playing for the LA Galaxy and refusing to play on turf uh, at US Bank Stadium. Uh, telling him he doesn't want to because he saw the state of the turf, or, or not at U.S. Bank Stadium. Sorry, at uh, at um, TCF Bank Stadium. My goodness, mm-hmm. the Gopher Stadium. So, um, uh, Eric, it's okay. You don't need to be old to hate turf. We can all hate it together. That could oh. be our little circle. Uh, Matthew Hansen asks: Are there any two players in the squad that make it to Detroit? I love that question, and I am all aboard uh, giving some of the younger guys a chances. But uh, at the same time, I think you need to take it seriously. Um, if there is an MLS Next player, MLS Next Pro player who is called up for a one-game loan to play in the Open Cup, I would imagine it's Emmanuel Iwe. But Diogo Pacheco has three goals in two games for MNUFC2. Um, they play a very um, – I'm going to be nice – a struggling LA Galaxy 2 side this weekend. Um, uh, you know, good feeling about their result. and. The, their start to the campaign. Who would you bring up if you were to take one or two players from the MNUFC2 squad, uh, Carter? Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's got to be Iwe and Pacheco if you're going to take two, but definitely Iwe for that one. He's def- he's got he's got things that I would like to see within the MNUFC main side that I think would translate, especially against a side like Detroit City. I think it would be a good opportunity. You know, and I will mention, uh, folks, tune into MNUFC2 tomorrow. Um, you're likely going to see Mikel Marquez uh, with the squad there. Um, get some minutes of the new Loons uh, European signing. Um, uh, they made this offseason. He featured as a right back last weekend. Not ideal, but uh, there's a chance, you know, you could see him rolled out centrally tomorrow. Uh, get some, uh, you know, get a view of what he looks like. Patrick Weah as well. Manuel Iwe, Diego Pacheco, Carlos Leatherman, who is, you know, being prospected to possibly be the next homegrown. Devin Pedelford, a current homegrown. Um, everybody loves Fred Emmings, you know, you can't really hate Fred. He's just, he's the guy that you walk, you walk into training. He just makes you laugh by his actions or interactions with his teammates. He's, he's a all around great dude and, you know, solid keeper. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, chance, uh, Matthew, I don't know if he is, but there's a chance he will be because he played at the squad last weekend. And I do know that some of the guys, uh, requested to play with MNUFC two last weekend. And that could happen, uh, uh, today or tomorrow morning or something as well. There's any, anything's up in the air. I'll see what I can, you know, ask, uh, um, tomorrow and see if I can report some stuff on socials. We'll find out. But, um, you know, there's, there's definitely a shout for, uh, Marquez playing because, um, he needs the minutes and, you know, it gives them the perfect opportunity. Uh, so Carter, I think, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about what's ahead and everything. You have any final thoughts before we wrap up here? We're hitting the 45 minute mark. Um, from the Loons' performances tonight, what's up ahead? Uh, you know, uh, saying Ben, Robin Lud, you know, Michael Boxel error, uh, any, anything. I just hope this isn't a performance that we see again this season. I hope that we learn from our mistakes. I hope that we realize that we need 
some urgency, some agency in these games. We can't, even if we're not playing for possession, you need to still be playing the game. You need to be aware. You need to be strong. You need to be aggressive. So I hope that this isn't a lesson that we need to be taught multiple times this season. I hope it's something that we only have to deal with just this once. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, and I hope we get some more transfer rumors. Uh, Everybody loves some good transfer rumors and, you know, uh, make it fun, you know, excuse me, make it fun, you know, throw some ambitious names out there. Um, I'm going to be, you know, that guy and end it by saying, I know that Isco is still out of contract. He was a free agent in January. Um, Everybody knows what he can do in Minnesota United desperately need a 10 right now. I don't know what his fitness levels are like, but we all know what he can do as a European player. If you watched him Um, and he's a free agent. Um, I'd love to see an MLS team take a gamble on him. And I know Minnesota United needs a, uh, a proper number 10 who is willing to show up and play for the club. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a fun shout. Um, if you've got any cool transfer rumors or any, any players you'd like to see Minnesota United sign, what you could do is uh, tweet them at me or at the Soda Soccer account this week. And, you know, maybe that turns into a column, you know, who, who should this next sign be? Stuff like that. You know, uh, let's, uh, let's see what you got there and, let me know if you guys uh, are interested in that over the next week. Uh, we, I bet we could come up with some fun names across the Soda Soccer team as well. Um, so, you know, on behalf of Carter, myself, and the Soda Soccer team, uh, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. It was a tough result for Minnesota United. They fell 2-1 two zero, two to one, excuse me, to the Chicago Fire. It probably should have been 2-0, but uh, shout-out to Chris Brady for making that error. Uh, it turned out to be a lovely curve in Ariaga strike into the back of the net. Um and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a learning experience for a, a squad that uh, has had a lot of highs over the past week. And, you know, every now and then when a low hits you, you never want to feel that again. So, it's a, it, you know, it's, uh, it's ambition to improve. Uh, and I think uh, over the next uh, week or two, I think we're going to see, uh, we're gonna see that on, on, on the pitch and with the results from this club. So thanks again for joining us tonight. Minnesota United is back at Allianz Field next Saturday to host Orlando City before heading out west for a big-time matchup with the Seattle Sounders on April 22nd. But following that is a quick turnaround to face Detroit City FC in the 2023 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup that Tuesday night. A um, lot of time, lot, lot of time uh, for the Loons to prepare for those games, but also it's, it's going to be quick. It's coming up fast. Um, So, folks, thanks for joining us tonight. Have a great Easter tomorrow if you choose to celebrate. And, uh, you know, thanks for hanging out. We had a blast. Um, And uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next weekend following the conclusion of Minnesota United versus Orlando City at Allianz Field.